0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business in Dawa
1: podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies.
0: And my name is Susan Tendi.
1: And I am Nika Anani.
0: And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business.
2: I'm really sorry about this uh, technical challenge that I've I've had. What I'd like to to do is to uh, share with you uh, our work around impact investing. And um, I want to show you some examples uh, from three of our social impact funds. Uh, And then if we have time, we can say something about the kinds of metrics that we measure uh, when we uh, do this kind of investing. So apologies again for starting uh, so late. Uh, maybe to start off with a word about definition. So what is impact investing? It's uh, investments that are intended to create direct positive social and or environmental impact in addition to giving you a financial return. So it's kind of triple bottom line. But we are particularly focused in the area of social impact investing, uh, where there is a clear intentionality about our investing. And the way we like to think about our kind of investing is to ask the question of whether we can design businesses uh, to tackle social issues instead of using charity. So these are businesses that are intentional, Uh, and uh, have to be scalable and profitable, but also has to address uh, social uh, issues. What is the size of this market? Well, it depends very much on uh, who you read. Globally, people are talking about a, a market size of $228 billion already invested in this sector, according to Jin, but... Uh, according to the Aspen Network, however, is more like 35 billion. Our own particular view is that if you strip away the microfinance uh, investments in this area, the sector in the social impact space is even smaller than that. The first uh, fund that I'm going to talk about is the Inquo uh, Fund, um, based out of South Africa, and here our One of our key investment is in a safari game park. Uh, This is uh, a district in South Africa, in the Eastern Cape, Um, 85% unemployment at a time when we went in, Um, very rural, uh, lots of poverty around, HIV AIDS, um, and, the question that we wanted to, to, to address was, how do we help this kind of community transform? And here we've uh, ended up buying uh, 40,000 acres of degraded farmland, fence about 75 kilometers of elephant-proof fencing to create a safari game experience, built a five-star lodge and then use a ecotourism approach to try and catalyze economic transformation uh, in that part of South Africa. Uh, We use local materials, local labor, wherever we can, and then use the profits from the the business to uh, fund conservation efforts. Uh, And these are some of the species uh, of animals that we have there. So there's land restoration, there is animal being brought back in that part of South Africa for the first time in 150 years, um, and then uh, in the last two years, breeding up new uh, genetics uh, for cheetahs to introduce uh, cheetahs into uh, nine reserves now in South Africa, because our cheetah population is pretty inbred. So that's using an eco-tourism approach in a really rural part of, of South Africa uh, with endemic poverty and, and unemployment, and, and using this to catalyze economic transformation. This is what we were really about, uh, is how do you alleviate poverty without using charity, but use a business approach. Uh, the left panel here shows how our people used to, to live today. All our staff are in what we call standard housing, which is concrete floors, concrete uh, walls, water, electricity, indoor bathroom, flush toilet, and solar panels. So we want to know over the time of our investments, apart from the financial returns, are we getting uh seeing improvements in terms of impact on the poor uh, and and housing is one of the metrics that we we measure. We have a foundation there, which is funded by guests and they check out um, and they donate. Uh, Here, what we've done is to fence about 1,500 acres of of, uh, an educational park with a, a shed in there, to, with, all the stuffed animals and bones and dungs and so on. And we bus in children for a day trip. And here they learn about conservation and they get a chance to walk with non-dangerous animals, like giraffes and zebras and so on. And and, and we think that if the next generation don't appreciate the kind of um, heritage that they have in the, in our wildlife, uh, we will not be successful uh, with any conservation efforts. So here is an example of, of intentionally designing a business that is scalable and profitable um, in, in terms of tackling uh, the issue of endemic unemployment and poverty. We intentionally hire AIDS orphans. These are kids whose parents have died from AIDS, and we train them uh, to... Um, in the various departments in in the hospitality and conservation. Another business that we have is in Northern Zambia. Here we have beehives hanging on forest trees. We have 90,000 beehives working with about 10,000 farmers. If each farmer uh, looks after about 20 to 30 beehives, it doubles their annual income. We harvest twice a year, uh, and we pay farmers between 75 cents to a dollar uh, per kg. And each year we export about 350 tons of forest honey uh, overseas. So here's another way in which we have a scalable profitable business that helps to address some of the uh, poverty issues uh, there. Those of you who live in Kenya may know about pyrethrum uh, pyrethrum flowers was a very important part of the industry. We have uh, a business there called Cantegra um, that now works with almost 9,500 uh, farmers, outgrowers growing the pyrethrum flower that we harvest. Uh, they, they harvest the flowers, they dry, uh, they bring it in, we weigh, we pay them through MPESA. Uh, And then it comes to the factory where it is distilled, uh, and and we've been able to export this to Mexico, to France, uh, to the UK, and to Japan so far. Uh, And and, uh, this particular business now employs several hundred people, uh, together with about 9,500 outgrower farmers. Green Path is another example of us working with the rural communities, This is in Ethiopia uh, where we use a permaculture approach and uh, this now has about 250 farmers uh, exporting beans to to Europe. Silulu is a chain of computer training centers, uh, six months paid uh, to get a Microsoft certificate. Uh, This is all in the townships uh, in the Eastern Cape and Western Cape uh, started with one center in two zero zero eight, today there are about one hundred and forty, uh, about forty two centers in both eastern and, and western Cape. Again, those of you uh, who are in uh, Nairobi uh, may know about Sanergy. This is a business that uh, franchises toilets, usually to women. A lot of women franchise source uh, franchisees, and uh, people pay. To use the toilets per day. There are about almost 4,000 toilets now serving about 140,000 people on a daily basis. Um, And we take the waste away every day to process into uh, two particular products because the revenue from just toilet use uh, doesn't make it economically sustainable. But if we take the waste away each day to process into uh, an organic fertilizer, uh, we sell the the fertilizer. And then the other product we make from it is um, an insect protein from the black soldier fly. This is uh, the factory in Kinani, uh, just south of Nairobi. The black soldier flies lay their eggs on poo. And uh, when the larvae hatches, they will also feed on poo and, and vegetable waste, organic waste. Uh, and we harvest the, the, the larvae and and produce a, a product for use in animal feed. So here's another example of how intentionally to look at, at the problem of sanitation in the slums um, and and designing a business uh, that is, is scalable and profitable to, to address the, the issue of sanitation. Another fund that we have is is called Novastar, based out of uh Nairobi. Uh, one of our earliest investments there is uh Bridge International Academies. And those of you again who are in Nigeria and in Kenya and Uganda will may know about Bridge. So Bridge addresses the issue of low cost education amongst the poor. Um, And and the way we do it is to use technology, so all the lesson plans are on tablets uh, and parents pay $5 per child per month by M-PESA, we pay teachers and suppliers by M-PESA, and that cuts down all the back office uh, costs. Um, Started with one school uh, in 2008, today we have 5,500 schools. Uh, with a a million kids, uh, every day in our schools. And we now have schools in Nigeria, uh, Liberia, Uganda, Kenya, and also India. And the growth is really coming from private public partnerships with governments, uh, bringing in our our technology uh, platform. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to skip, uh, this. Pago and uh, Komadza is another one uh, in our portfolio there in East Africa. Garden Impact is our third uh, is the third fund that we have based out of um, in uh, Singapore uh, and and we are invested in the Southeast Asia region. Just two or three examples here. Uh, This is uh, affordable abodes uh, with a innovative uh, material for for house building. So this is a plant called canef which is a, a variety of hibiscus. grows really really fast. We can harvest something like two to three times a year, um, and the real value of this particular plant is the fiber, very strong uh, and they're used in um, the automobile industry, either as biocomposites or for insulation. So Toyota uh, is one of the major uh, buyers of this particular uh, fiber. But the core has traditionally just been thrown away and, and burnt. And what this company has done is develop a technology for using the core to build houses. Uh, And it's chipped up core mixed with lime and they build these panels in in the factory and they come on site and they build these kinds of houses uh, in three to four days. What is neat about this apart from it being green in, in that it captures carbon, one, it doesn't use sand, so there's no sand two, it doesn't use any cement, just uses lime. And and the thing about lime is that it captures more carbon with, with age. So the older it gets, uh, the stronger these houses become because the lime eventually becomes calcium carbonate, which is stone. So a genuinely greenhouse. Um, and uh, so it has an impact on a lot of fronts, um, apart from sort of providing an income for, for the poor. Greenup is a business we have in Indonesia that produces biodegradable plastics from cassava. Uh, so this is cassava um, and uh, we have several, hun- several thousand uh, contractor cassava farmers uh, growing cassava uh, and we're making bioplastics uh, from the cassava farm. So this is I exported to about 10 countries. Hagar is a uh, business in, that we have in um, Vietnam and Cambodia. It uh, rescues women from the sex industry, um, rehabilitates them, uh, and then puts them to work in uh, four different businesses, which the major one is Joma, uh, which is a chain of Vietnamese cafe. This business now, uh, these businesses employ over 800 of these Uh, women. Regenesis is also a business that rescues women uh, from the sex industry. These are survivors of the industry, and we upskill these women to do photo editing for real estate companies in the U.S. So these U.S. real estate companies take photos of their buildings, they download the data uh, to uh, these women uh, who then do uh, the photo editing for them as well as do a 3D kind of uh, video walkthrough of the the buildings and then they send the data back. This employs over 200 women uh, now on a a profitable basis. Uh, Final example is Agape. Agape uh, is a call center inside the largest prison in Singapore. And there inside the prison in Singapore, we employ 80 men and, um, and 100 women, we upskill them uh, to run a, a telephone call center. We pay them about 600 Sing dollars per month, roughly 600 US dollars a month. Um, so they are upskilled, they have money in their pockets, and when they're released from prison, we rehire them in a call center in the city. And this way, we reduce the reoffending rate down to about two to three percent. And this business employs over 200 uh, people currently. Um, and then maybe just a, a quick final slide to show you the kind of metrics that we measure. We measure uh, gender, male, female. We measure the average salary that uh, they they earn over the time of our investment uh, because we want to see that increasing. We measure how much tax we pay which is really important. Um, We measure how many have standard housing. We used to measure how many have uh, mobile phones. Uh, We don't do that anymore because everyone has two mobile phones now in Africa. Uh, But we do measure how many start to send children to tertiary education, uh, how many start to own assets in terms of um, uh, vehicles or, or houses. So... That really is, is, is the kind of um, uh, uh, maybe just here just to show you the kind of, of, of growth in the sector. We're getting all the sovereign wealth funds like North Fund, FMO, European Investment Bank, uh, EXA, JP Morgan. These are now all investors uh, in, our, in our funds. Um, and obviously, we have a big impact on the uh, SDGs. So thank you very much, um, and my apologies again for the delay. Over to you, uh, Tissi.
0: Thank you so much, um, Dr. Kim, for, for that presentation and just an insight in the possibilities of these amazing uh, projects that you are already participating in on the continent. Um, as we still have at least until the top of the hour to, to make up for the time loss. And, uh, we have some questions we, we would like to give over to you. Um, if anyone else is on the session has any questions for Dr. Kim, please make sure that you put them in the comment section that we can, so that we can give them over to Dr. Kim. Um, I think the first question that I would like to ask is, um, as a, a family business and as well as an investor, what are the things that you have identified, what has made you identify the projects that you've identified on the continent in terms of um, personal um, thought processes? And um, how do you see the continent in terms of a space where impact um, as an ecosystem is is the future for growth for family businesses?
2: I think for, for us... Um it's driven by two, two things. One is, um, an interest in the country. You know, it's, it's very difficult to invest in a country that you don't have an interest in. So, so we are pretty passion led in one, you know, in, 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 in one sense. The other is that we are sector neutral and we are backing management. We're backing people. So, you know, we all, uh, we all know that businesses is, is, is precarious and no matter how well we do our business plans, um, you know, most of them don't succeed. Um, and, um, you know, so what, what are you backing you know, in the end? It's, it's really backing people. So we're sector neutral. We just like to back a, a local entrepreneur who we think, are um, competent, um, committed, hardworking, has integrity, has a sense of modesty and humility about them because, you know, they need to be teachable because running a a small business is very different from running a business that employs thousands of people. Um, And along the way, they need to be humble enough to hire people smarter than themselves. Um, They need to be open to... um, being challenged. So, you know, the, the whole issue of humility and modesty is pretty important. Um, so so those, those are the, the ways in which we we make our initial screen anyway. And then after that, it's really about, you know, the key question is what kind of social problem and challenge are you seeking to address? And then we then say, okay, can we really design a business that is gonna be profitable and commercially viable? Because if it's not profitable, we become a charity. So our first screen is in fact the financial. Uh, and it's only after we satisfy ourselves that, that it's financially sustainable, uh, that we then say, okay, what's the social impact? What, what are we trying to measure? What are we trying to, to sort of tackle?
1: Thank you, um, Dr. Kim. Um, We have a question from Kumbi and a comment. Thank you very much, Doc. Great insights into social impact investing. How do startups from Africa or in the diaspora reach out or pitch to you? Because most innovations in Africa really address social issues and problems. We have plenty of those.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, And and we have plenty of entrepreneurs in Africa. Uh, They're just Bustling and hustling every day. Um, the, either reach, reach us, you know, if, if they're reasonably mature, reach us through the funds, um, either the Inquo Fund or the Novastar Fund. Uh, I also sit on the board of the Johnson & Johnson Impact Ventures, but that's all specifically in the healthcare and well-being sector. Uh, or you can reach us through the Transformational Business Network, uh, TBN is a network of about 3-4,000 disillusioned philanthropists and repentant bankers uh, who realize that writing checks is, is, is easy but giving of our time and our expertise is a lot more difficult. Uh, and uh, this is a network of people who can do club investments up to about a quarter of a million dollars and, and these are people who can also do sort of early angel stuff, uh, but have a commitment uh, to use not only their money, but also to act as mentors, to act as, uh, as people who will open up their networks to, to help grow businesses. So we have people who, who are, you know, I'll give you an example, who was a buyer. We have somebody in a, in, in a network who was a buyer for the white company in the UK. A sort of a chain of multiples and by placing an order of a half a million dollars uh, for one of the, the businesses in Vietnam that completely transformed uh, their, their business. So that's the kind of network that we have uh, of not just people who can provide money, but, but can also provide mentoring and access to markets.
0: Thank you. And, um, Another question is how can African families or African family businesses start investing in local impact investments? Do you advise um, that the family offices or the family businesses start creating funds or that they venture alone or that they start joining funds that are already established?
2: Obviously it depends on the size. You know, you as family uh, businesses, you've got so much talent um, and, um, you know, if, if you wanna do it on your own, you know, uh, I'd encourage you to go, go ahead and do it. But there's nothing like working together. You know, we just find working with others is, is, is much easier. You, you, just, you just share so much more wisdom uh, and experience uh, working with others. And that's the reason why these sovereign wealth funds, as big as they are, prefer to use managers on the ground uh, who see these kind of deals, who know how to structure these kind of deals. So, you know, I, I think my encouragement always is to, you know, wherever you can, partner up and go and do things together.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And then just as a follow-up um, question or a um, follow-up thought on that, do you think um, in when it comes to investing in impact, do you think that it's just like you said with the TBN um, network, it's the the thought process came from you. just writing checks is not enough and impact now includes investing time as well when you can and knowledge. How important is it for family businesses in, in the African ecosystem to be investing time and knowledge to also leverage um, entrepreneurs that are coming up and are possibly going to be able to create meaningful and impactful businesses on the content?
2: I think it's vitally important. You know, if you look at the sort of breakdown of, of the developed economies. In the UK, you know, something like 90% of all businesses that are registered are, are SMEs. It's the small, medium-sized enterprises which, of which a majority would be family-owned businesses, right, backed by entrepreneurs. That's the backbone of our economies. So, so I would say that it's in the interest of family uh, businesses in Africa to, to capitalize and stimulate and fund and build out that SME sector uh, because in the end it benefits uh, your own business but it benefits the country. So, so you know, I think that SME space which you know, is dominated really by the family offices uh, family businesses. Uh, we should we should find ways to keep catalyzing and 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 you know supporting it.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Kim, for sharing your insights on social impact investing, which truly is um, top of mind for many business owners at the moment. Um, do you have any closing comments? Uh,
2: only to 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 say, you know. Family businesses are so important. I grew up in a family office in a business in Malaysia. My my father was an immigrant from China with nothing at the age of 18 and mm-hmm. built a small family business in the sort of uh, retail and, and wholesale uh, of, 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 um, uh, of, of goods. And out of that one business was able to f- – Fund our education, and in that one generation of educating us, we've been able to transform the economics of our family. So, so the importance of of, of small businesses, you know, it, it, it is just so important. Uh, mm-hmm. So, any way in which family businesses can. Catalyze and stimulate more and other types of family businesses in Africa has got to be a good thing
1: Thank you, and um, should anyone wish to get hold of you? Um, how best can they reach you?
2: Uh, probably the best way uh, is to go via the both of you <laughs> Yeah, I apologize. I'm not on Twitter or Facebook. I'm not on LinkedIn um, uh you know i just don't have time for for all the other social media stuff so emails is is the only way i respond
1: thank you so much
2: my pleasure and all the best everybody
1: yes um for everyone um in this session we have our last session starting in three minutes so you're more than welcome to join us